Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Untold Stories from Below the Line. My name is Nathan. And my name is Maggie. And in this episode, we are going to be talking with our amazingly talented and beautiful Nikki Barksdale, aka Notoriously Nikki. She is an actress, voice actress, and plus-size influencer raised in Chicago and currently based here in Los Angeles. In fact, she's based right here in our living room because we are lucky to have her as our roommate. Um, so hi, Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Hi. Welcome um, to your own living room. <laughs> um, so, uh, so who are you, Nikki? Where did you grow up, and how did you find your passion? You're an actress. Like, how did you get? How did you get there? So uh, I grew up in the south side of Chicago. I went to like a private school growing up. And since maybe like the third grade, I know that sounds pretty cliche, but like I did the coming of Jesus Christ and I was Ruth and I did that. Okay. I did that. (laughs) So I enjoyed that feeling. I was also in the school choir and I was just like, oh, I like all of this attention coming towards Mm -hmm. me. So let me see if I can, you know, keep going. And so I did that throughout high school and I went away to college and I was in plays there my freshman year. Then I came to Columbia. Columbia, where I met you, maybe. maybe a year before I graduated, I was like, okay, yeah, I need to move to LA because I wanted mm-hmm. to do screen TV, um, not only because of how I like the way things like, you know, behind the screen of being on TV and stuff like that versus kind of being on theater, which, you know, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with theater, mm-hmm. but it's just a lot of magic that goes yeah. on behind the screen. Right. And so I really like that. So I was like, LA is the place for me. And I moved and it's been two years. Hell yeah. And it's been a slow and steady pace so far, mm-hmm. but I'm actually very proud of where I am so far. And That's we are great. very proud of you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's always exciting when we hear about your successes. So how did you get to where you are right now? Like, what successes did you have that got to where you are today? So at the start, when I moved, I was like, okay, I did my research as to uh, who I needed for headshots, hmm. reputable agents, managers, mm. uh, reputable teachers and workshops and classes that I can do while I'm trying to search for a nine to five because, you know, bills need to be paid. Yeah. Right. And so while I did that, I'm just like, okay, well, let me just study. Let me write some things down. So when I become at least some type of financially stable, I can now put that money that I've earned into my acting. Yeah. And so I started to take some workshops because I love trying to work on my craft, trying to, you know, get new criticism new notes, something. I take direction pretty well. And so I definitely like to keep all of my notes from whatever workshop or things Mm -hmm. that I attend so I can reflect on those so I can be a better me. And then after my first workshop here, I, you know, became, you know, pretty cool with some of the people that was in the workshop. And we started giving each other little resources. And so I came upon LA Casting. And before I became represented, I started there and I was just, you know, registering myself for whatever I could. Um, I took my first set of headshots and they were pretty basic, but, you know, they did what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And so I used that for my workshop, you know, references. And then also on my LA Casting. And I was getting a few hits. I was like, oh, okay. This is is the adult life. This is the real world. So let me get on these, you know, auditions. And I happened to just wing one audition. It was for a um, not your normal coffee. That's what it was quoted as. And I was just like, and it was a a alcohol commercial. And I was just like, okay, you know, why not? And I submitted myself. Actually, I submitted myself to two roles. One was friend on the couch girl. And then the other one was ugly friend. Because I'm just like, you know what? I know, you know, I'm a baddie, but I need to get, you know, these cast things. So I'm like, I'm going to submit whatever. Yeah, you're multifaceted. If I got to be ugly, then I'm going to be (laughs) ugly for this check. Okay. And so that's what I did. And lo and behold, they called your girl back. Yes. And it was so crazy. So I had to do a a non-verbal self-tape, which Maggie, you did help me record in our living room. And 
after I did that, they were like, oh, we want you. And I was just like, oh, snap, this is real. <laughs> this is my first paid commercial gig. I was like, okay. And, and they, they make it seem so yes. easy. And you're like, why wasn't it this easy before? Right? <laughs> I was like, how come these other people didn't say yes? Like, let me call them up. And yeah. like, look, you you slept on me <laughs> because they picked me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really wonderful. I got there. Everything was, you know, set up really nicely, really professional. Um, and, you know, I was referred to as the talent. And I was like, oh. Oh, your girl is the talent. Oh, yes, okay. I was like, is this a dream? Is this <laughs> happening for real? And so they made sure I got to makeup, made sure I had any refreshments, hair and makeup, you know, did what yes. they needed to do. And it was so cool. I met the guy who I was going to be on the couch with. Unfortunately, he was the ugly friend, but he knew that. It was in the contract. You know, it was okay. So we got along together, which was really nice. Like, I feel like I am very personable. So to be able to get, you know, along with my colleague you know almost like that I was like oh this is gonna be a breeze Mm -hmm. and so we were just buddy buddying until they got to our scene and we were on the couch and doing our thing and we were vibing so good the the entire shot maybe took 25 minutes Mm. and then they told me I can go home they were like okay cool you know they cut me a nice little check for it and it be ended up becoming um a union job Mm. and so that was like mind-boggling to me and then shortly after that i got a casting notice for um an agency that are looking for you know people that they want to represent so i just you know i said okay why not the worst they can do is tell me no and i've heard Mm -hmm. no before Mm -hmm. so i go in there i did the little copy they wanted me to do nailed it you know i was looking good because i i am prepared (laughs) yes and so maybe two or three days later they sent us an email um it was a mass email of every the other ones that they selected and like you know we would like to represent you guys um we will be sending separate emails or contracts and things like that and blah blah blah, and welcome to (laughs) the agency i'm like oh is wow okay I know, it was really and, exciting day. You were like, oh my gosh, so Like, much it was happening. just so much happening at one time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is way too good to be true. Like, I just didn't understand. And after that, um, it was like Christmas. So, you know, the breaks. It was like the slowdown. And then maybe in February, I get a casting call for Tobertex, TurboTex commercial. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, yeah. I did that. And it was with a surprise guest that, you know, According to my NDA, I cannot say yet, but I cannot wait until that is out so I can, you know, tell everybody. And that was such an exciting day. It was like so good. And right now I'm just on the move. Like I started off really slow. Like I knew I wasn't going to get discovered at a coffee shop, you know, overnight. That's the dream. But realistically, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I was just so happy with just the very few things that I was able to accomplish, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like... I think this is for me. You know, as an actress, you kind of struggle in this competitive world, like especially being like a black woman Mm -hmm. and also women of color. You're just like, this is, you know, this is the grind. And so I really felt like I hit the ground running when I first moved here. And that kind of helped me to where I am today, because I know um, if you are, you know, African-American black person in the industry or just in life, you have been told that you need to work twice as hard and that's exactly what I have been trying to do right you work like five times (laughs) oh my gosh um and you need to be rewarded for it my goodness what is it like to work with like management what is because you've had some like you've had some struggles with management yeah Yeah. and like why do you think that is so management is not necessarily what I thought it was going to be you think that um, once you become signed to a management, like mm-hmm. it's like your personal manager, like they are on it. They're sending you, you know, 15 or 20 casting notices a day. And that's, you know, that's just really not it because they have a roster mm-hmm. of other clients yeah. that they are looking yeah. for as well. So you can't really be that, you know, uh, selfish in a sense. You have right. to be considerate. Like, you know, they are scouting for all these other people and, you know, they, it would be easy for them to just submit me to whatever. You know, it will be hard enough to just keep me on the back burner. Yeah. Right. So I had to understand that. And I understood that by, you know, taking these workshops to get a better 
a mindset on what to really expect because mm-hmm. colleges teach you, you know, certain things, but it's not the real thing. It's not like the real experience. Yeah, right? and we need the real experience. Yeah. And so taking that workshop definitely helped me because I'm like, okay, I can't be up their butts about what's going on because I also need to do the work as well. Yeah. Um, you know, being represented definitely looks good on paper. Yeah. And so you have to help them just as much as they are mm-hmm. helping you. Right. And right. so I'm still constantly looking up my own you know audition notices and i'm trusting them to be on the same thing because you know if i win they win at the right. end of the day exactly. right, right. so i definitely and i definitely want other people to think like your your you know manager your agent um they shouldn't be against you they should be you know doing everything and you should trust them to do everything in their power to you know get yeah. you those those notices is there anything that they tell you to do while they're not managing you or while is there something that, you know, actors should be doing when they're not? Yeah, because didn't they tell you to take those working? classes? Yes. So mm-hmm. they did refer me to um, a, what was this? A cold reading, like auditions workshop. Mm-hmm. So I took the class. It was a wonderful class. Um, shout out to Lori Records. Um, are you interested in getting like an agent? Yes. Uh, somebody come represent <laughs> you, girl. Yeah. Because I am multifaceted. You know, I am a Jill of all trades. And I am, you know, someone that's very marketable. Tell us what your prep is like when you're doing an audition. Or like going to interview. Or... Yeah. Like, how are you feeling? What's like your... Yeah. <laughs> First Same. off, how am I feeling? My heart is in my butt. That's, <laughs> that's just that's just right there. Um, so as I have learned in you know high school and college and also my workshops, you need to be prepared for your auditions. Like you need to have, I have maybe ten headshots and resumes stapled in the back of my car, just ready on mm. demand. I also have a bag of clothes in my car in case I need to be somebody mm, yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and it's always good to have several outfits that showcase your best self. Yeah. And it also depends on what your headshot is looking like as well. You don't want to look completely opposite of what your headshot is. Oh, That's yeah. a bad thing. Um I make sure that I'm, you know, clean and crisp enough that I look good on camera, but I make sure I'm not taking too much time up there now. I didn't beat my face in my car for 45 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, like, you know, I, I can't really do that. So, yeah. Right. Um, so what feedback have you gotten? Like, how how are the critiques? And, like, what do you take with you? Yeah. And- so I, I have gotten some really good critiques and feedback from my previous two workshops. Mm. Um... I, again, I already gave my shout out to Lori Records, but word to Judy Kane because I took her uh, workshop when I first got That's here. Great. And she was very, you know, she wasn't, she never sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. She always, again, gave me clear, you know, directions and mm-hmm. any tips that she gave me um it was definitely um marketed to me mm-hmm. not something generalized mm-hmm. that she told the whole right. class or oh, you know really anything nice. like that because when you go to these workshops you want to feel like the money that you're paying for is going to help you as a you know as an artist perfect yeah. whatever character you may you know get right. and so i definitely loved it um i also took note of not even just the notes that she may or may not have given me but i'm taking note of everybody else mm. in the class right. like seeing what they do because you know when you're going to audition you really don't know what's going to be good so you need to know what level of risk you're about to take what level may be good mm-hmm. things that these casting directors are looking for yeah. um is a big thing so those are really um the notes that uh she really gave me that really um helped me into mm-hmm. getting the auditions that i have today Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to be, um, you know, a, a lot of actors may, may know and also casting, um, people, you know, you, you will get typecast mm-hmm. when you go to right. these auditions yeah. and, you know, I give off as Judy came and say home girl vibes. And it's true. Like I'm a home girl. I am mm-hmm. laid back, relatable, girly, funny, you know, that type of person that you'll see in commercials that mm-hmm. unfortunately might be the only token black woman, but that's home girl. And that's something that's that yeah. sells. And so the kind of like harsh realities of it is it's like, okay, someone who 
is it my personality may not be okay with being a homegirl. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's also uh, I it's also an area I know and I'm able to play that with. you know that I'm familiar with in case I need to pull that out of my bag of tricks mm-hmm. because I don't want to be uh, you know, I don't want to be just a straight and narrow type mm-hmm. of actress, let alone a straight and narrow type of like black actress. Right. So when I need to be homegirl, I'm homegirl. But if I need to be, you know, sexy housewife in a coffee commercial, I'm that too. Or do I need to be a daughter in a direct TV commercial? Right. I'm that as well. Mm-hmm. But homegirl, that is my most marketable area in certain like in a lot of commercials especially if you see like maybe uh fun funky car commercials or you have the like the black woman with the curly hair yeah you know things like that and that's just especially right now um even though it is still way behind what it should have been it's more marketable now to you know have that funky quirky black girl right would you say no to certain tropes and certain things that like surround Oh, like, yeah. The, I'm you know, never going to be a slave. I will never right. be a slave. Yeah. That's something that, like, if I was ever to be any type or any slave adjacent, I have to be, like, Django Unchained slave. Like, mm-hmm. I have to be whooping some white supremacy ass. Right. Yeah. Like, right, but I have it's, to. it's even, it's so... You ugh. know, because there are a lot of, like, especially black African-American movies that are surrounded with a lot of trauma. And, mm-hmm. you know, although those movies are very important, it's not all that it is to, you know, black Americans. Right. You know, we have have joyful movies um we have you know spectacular superhero yeah. movies we have even you know the the goofy love movies like we have right those. and so mm-hmm. um certain like i just don't feel comfortable especially when you're in those movies you're gonna get called the n-word and mm-hmm. there's not a day alive that i'm ever gonna be okay with being called the n-word right. and so uh, yeah. for not not even for any check so you know it might cost me you know it might cost me a movie reel but like that's just something that I'm not willing to put myself through. Right. I think that if you're an actress, it's a really tough thing to, like, only see that yeah. uh, up in auditions, I'm sure. So I'm really hoping the movement is going to bring a lot of, oh, yeah. like, you know, um, maybe more representation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I think that's very the important in the black and brown community. Right. Yeah. So you're also making your own content too, right? I did start a YouTube channel February uh, of this year. And if you aren't subscribed, go ahead and check out Notoriously Nikki. Hell yeah. And that is something Mm -hmm. that I was kind of reluctant to start because my best friend Karen and Maggie as well, when I first got out here, they were like, oh, you should do a YouTube. Nikki, like, people like you. You should do a YouTube. But me and my personality, I'm pretty unfiltered. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, of course, can clean it up when needs be. But just being my, you know, authentic self, I'm, you know, pretty raw. And so I'm like, okay, is that, is that something that especially, you know, the YouTube world in itself, like, Mm -hmm. am I ready for that type of stuff? Because that opens up a whole different Mm -hmm. box. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, okay, well, I am going to not only, I'm going to be my authentic self, you know, the self that, you know, people enjoy that, you know, isn't afraid to tell it like pretty much exactly how it is, Mm -hmm. um, but also, I'm going to do it in a way that people can't, I guess, not misjudge me or, like, stereotype me or something mm. like that. Like, I'm, you know, I'm selling it how it is, but just in a real eloquent, you know, south side way, in a yes. way. Yeah. So, you know, the content that I provide are for women who look like me, yeah. plus-size black women, plus-size women of color, um, and plus-size men, if you, you know, mm-hmm. if you are into women's yeah. clothing, because I am all down for the LGBTQIA yes. community. Or yoga. Yeah. Right, I mean, or yoga. yoga. I also yoga. do a little bit of fitness on there. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. Segments. Yes, yeah. I have a couple, I have a DIY, I have some clothing reviews, and and so it's more so like a lifestyle blog mm-hmm. in a sense. Like I don't really do too much of anything, but the little things that I can do, I kind of want to help and benefit my community um, and also yeah. give you maybe a laugh or two because this world is tough enough as it is. Yeah. And so if I am able to bring you just a little smidge of joy, I take solace in that because it is a cold world. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's so relatable and fun. And, like, it's like hanging out with Nikki, which is always fun. <laughs> so uh, if you can just have her on your screen anytime, right. <laughs> it's so accessible. I think that that's kind of, like, my next question is, like, you have such a intimate, like, relationship with your followers. Like, you have all your friends who are so supportive, I've noticed, um, online. <clears throat> but you also, like, do you have any new followers? Have people reached out to you yet? Are you hoping for that? So, uh, so what I thought this influencer life would be, because I'm like, you know, I see a lot more things, um, being advertised mm. on social media, especially Instagram and things that of course you never even thought was marketable. Like, oh, right. these are things like these are jobs. Like things are things people are getting paid for. Yeah. I was like, oh, say less. I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. I'm the like, world oh, of social media. Right. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm I already do doing that. Yeah. Right. So I kind of turned it for, you know, just like with my YouTube channel, um, trying to benefit, you know, women who look like me mm -hmm. on my platform. Nikki, tell us the future of your channel and your career. What do you have plans? Hopes and dreams. Uh, so us. I am, so I only have, um, I have like 75 followers now. I don't think I mentioned that. So yeah. my goal for the year is 100. So I'm already. You're right. Oh, girl. Again. You're fine. Yeah. And so like I'm trying to um, have a consistent rise of Instagram followers as well. So I'm mm -hmm. trying to make sure I incorporate both of those followings because mm -hmm. in order for me to really become like a actual quantum quote influencer like i need to have a steady paid. right to get paid i need like a steady following yeah. so mm -hmm. i want to help try to incorporate those so i can like keep rising so i can get like paid type of thing yeah um and honestly i would do like free stuff if you know if the deal is right yeah. right you know, just to get that experience so it's always nice um i expect myself to continue on doing my youtube for I would say at least another two years, mm -hmm. um, you know, give, because of course, like, I'm not one of those people that like one of those like instantly viral people and they just get like yeah. millions of followers overnight. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to build like a community, a right? So yeah. I'm like, it's going to be a slow and steady pace. And like, I've been watching uh, my favorite YouTubers, Jackie, Ina, Aaliyah's face, Alyssa, mm -hmm. Ashley, and Arnell, um, and their rise to where they are today. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yes, Queens, like, okay, mm -hmm. I've taken my notes, like, I've seen what you guys have done and mm -hmm. things that you, you know, you know, them looking out for us. I'm just like, okay, I know what to expect. So I'm going to give it, I know, a, a good minute before I might call it quits. And hopefully in the midst of me giving you guys some content that you guys enjoy, my acting will also, you know, pick up as well. Yeah. Um, I hope that with the way things are now and the talks, the tough talks mm -hmm. that are being had now, especially within the industry, I hope an equal amount of opportunity, not only for black people, not only for black women, but women of color, mm -hmm. uh, people of color is, you know, auditions that are real. Like, you know, not all commercials need to be all white families, mm -hmm. you know. It can be a biracial. It can be family. biracial. It can be a dark-skinned black couple. Yeah. It can be a mixed race, you know, Asian-American mm -hmm. and black couple, you know, things yeah. like that because yeah. that is what's Real. going on yeah. in the world. Right. Um, and so that should be reflected most, you know, especially in certain areas when you have a high minority, you know, population. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you see multiple commercials with the people that look like your area? Right, and and, and they're that in like, yeah. on television, and that's what they watch growing up. Right, start seeing. Mm -hmm. I really, yeah, I really hope I start seeing some change on on, on the, screens. the screen even more. Um, so actually, speaking of Hollywood, Nikki, uh, what mistakes have you made and learned? Like, what have you learned from? What would you want to tell a rookie? Mm -hmm. I would definitely say, you know, make sure you do your Googles, like research. If you have some downtimes, like I've researched community theaters, theaters in my area, mm -hmm. um, workshops, things that can help you hone your craft. And when you do that, also, um, when it comes to auditions or getting representation, like uh, 
you know, luckily enough, like my representation kind of just knocked on my door, but that's not, that's not realistic. That's not Mm -hmm. how it is. And so when you go to, you know, these actors or I mean, these talent agencies and management, look at their roster, look at the type of people that they represent Mm -hmm. and see if you want that to be, you know, the people who represent you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so especially with everything, like I said, everything that's going on, think about, you know, the accessibility of agencies that are, you know, minority owned and mm-hmm. helping out with, you know, giving a, a fair opportunity to their fellow minorities. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope that, you know, these times have, uh, you know, given us a momentum like, OK, you know, it ain't just this cookie cutter ideal of what you think the industry is going to be and who they represent and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very excited for the wave of, you know, black owned PR firms, Mm -hmm. you know, Hispanic owned, you know, modeling agencies, you know, Native American owned, you know, talented agencies. Like I cannot wait for things like that because that's the real fight to get what, what you need to get. Like, you know, you need to have the same resources that your Caucasian counterparts were given a little easier. Right, you know? because the people who are going to hire people of color are people of color. Right. I mean, you need to have, you know, black talent out there. We also need black producers. Mm-hmm. We need black line producers. Yeah, we need people we behind need, the camera. We need, you know, plenty of people um, to, yeah, to hire right. uh, because... And, like, create the right content, not white written content yes. played by, you know, uh, you know, BIPOC and people of color and mm-hmm. all that. It's just, um, yeah. so, yeah, that's a really good. That's really good advice. It's really good advice that mm-hmm. we can transition so well into. Um, so, switching over to post-COVID, uh, you came to us about Juneteenth, Nikki, and I think it's mm-hmm. good that we make a space within our home to talk, talk about, about yeah. not just Juneteenth, but... Um, being anti-racist and uh, where we're living in like the biggest civil rights movement in the history of the world, having conversations because it begins in the home. So uh, I was just going to give a little history of what school us. <laughs> yeah. And um, so since we didn't learn shit in school right. <laughs> um, at all, uh, I, I've noted, you know, there's a lot of stuff on Juneteenth. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of people are talking about it, but I have not seen a very uh, cleared out, uh, written out way. Uh, so I don't believe everyone knows what it is. <laughs> um, so I was going to give a little spiel on September 22nd, 1862. Um, you should know that, uh, that, that Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation to cl- declare freedom, quote unquote, um, for all Confederate held enslaved people. Uh, this was to be put on place, uh, put in place on January 1st, 1963. Um, but in Texas, most enslavers wouldn't let their enslaved uh, know of the news at all. Um, during the war, Texas was heavily guarded by Confederate soldiers. It remained uh, a pre-war world uh, of enslaved peoples during and after the Emancipation Proclamation was put in place um, and the end of the war on June 2nd, 1865. Um, on June 19th of that same year, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and 17 days after the end of the Civil War, Uh, Major General Gordon Granger rode into Galveston, Texas, and read the orders that enslaved people were free. This was met by mixed emotions and reactions from both sides. Many freed captives of slavery rejoiced. Some ran north. Some stayed free workers, yet many under the same conditions as before. Um, Because, you know, they didn't have a lot of choice sometimes and many, many, many were killed as well. We celebrate uh, this emancipation from Britain and the emancipation like of our freedoms from Britain. um, And yet we don't really celebrate the like this uh, emancipation of enslaved Africans or people in America. Um, so it speaks to how as a nation we are always procrastinating on Black Lives Matter, how it took two years after freedom for people, you know, quote unquote freedom for people to be free and begin to celebrate it. And once it was enacted, it was ignored for generations and generations. And it now lives and breathes in our society, our systems, our structure of our country and our prison systems. We do have a enslaved peoples still. We do have our incarceration in this country is mm-hmm. we we incarcerate 25. We have 25 percent of, you know, the world's prisoners mm-hmm. um, and like a huge percentage of that is black. 
out of a very like smaller percentage of black people in America versus white people in America. And it's very shitty. Um, So Texas and uh, 45 other states observe this holiday, yet most states, um, even if they do observe it, don't really treat it like one, um, don't really teach it uh, at all. Um, So this needs to become a national holiday. Uh, That is very much true. I will link in the... uh, in the podcast description, uh, someone is trying to get this to become a national holiday, so mm-hmm. please sign a petition to make it happen. Um, but it's a day to observe and understand the fact that this took longer, um, this took so many generations to be recognized, mm-hmm. and that is kind of the point of the holiday itself, that we have waited long enough. Um, that has been my research into um, Juneteenth and just what it is. Um, I wanted to make sure that our audience kind of knew what it was before we decided the three of us as roommates have a conversation just about, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. Let's start off with, I didn't learn about this holiday until like maybe three weeks ago, uh, when it was going around and, um, it makes me really sad. Yeah. Being in, um, social studies, getting a textbook from Texas in my history class. Was... Yeah. I, so the private school that I um, went growing up, like in middle school, um, it definitely didn't talk about in any type of Juneteenth. Of course, we mm-hmm. talked about uh, 4th of July, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then high school, of course not. Like we did not, even though I, my high school was predominantly black um, and I, we just didn't talk about it. like it wasn't taught to us um and then when i went to college i believe i learned it at western which is mm. kind of strange because western is pretty racist in its own right yeah. um mm-hmm. and it's that, <laughs> it's yeah. in macomb illinois right. and so it was very weird so i learned it then in college and then i also um when i started to take more african-american studies classes um and just gender, um, gender, race, and uh, like sex classes. Mm-hmm. I learned things like that here at Columbia, and so yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, this is." I'm like, "That's pretty crazy," but I've never in my life had um, a heartfelt connection. And honestly, not to say that I have like a voice for the whole black community, but we don't really celebrate Fourth of July as like patriots, Americans, mm-hmm. you know, not to say those who like didn't serve may have felt that way. Non-serving folks, you know, we are appreciative to get a day off because, yeah. um, you know, just like reparations other people have gotten, black people still have not gotten that. So right. if we can get a day off from work dealing with the microaggressions that we, microaggressions that we deal with every day, dealing with the subtleness of racism that we deal with, you know, to and from work at work, you know, on the internet you know we are very joyous and i even have to work you know fire up a barbecue you know be with the people that you care about you know because if you did go to work on fourth of july you would have to deal with the like the celebration of white supremacy so at least you get the day off to avoid white supremacy (laughs) yes when i when i went to columbia that's when i first realized that what i learned in school wasn't the whole truth mm-hmm. and mm. it was like a whole new world and i'm like shouldn't this be taught to everybody like this is what right. actually happened and mm. it's just so crazy that we're not there. we're in denial we're in or denial. that people it's... just don't want to learn about yeah. the truth and it's interesting because at the end of high school so i mean even in high school our white teachers would preach to us about how you know this isn't the truth that you know, like, look at all of these amazing activists, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, you know, this is happening, you know, but they never preached anti-racist mm-hmm. sentiments. And it's funny because they would go on about how the, the history books were wrong, but they would never teach us what was right. Well, yeah. Um, and I think that it also ties into what, like, systemic racism really is. Right. Because, you know, we have... You know, we've had these history books for long times. We have different, like, collegiate scholars Mm -hmm. that, you know, tell what history is. However, the people, you know, who are ahead of, you know, the public school system, private school system, they only allow us to learn what they think is in our best interest to learn. And unfortunately, free and Africans, um, you know, that were once enslaved, 
is not one of them. And so you have to think about why wouldn't, if we're talking about liberation, we're talking about Americas and Americans, you know, I think it's just, um, you know, it's always sugarcoated. Like, yeah. you know, we'll talk about a little bit of history, but we don't want to talk about the the bad part about it. You know, right. um, you know, we'll talk about how, you know, Fourth of July is for the Patriots and things like that. But we don't want to talk about how, you know, mm-hmm. black vets were still mistreated when they came back. Or mm-hmm. we don't want to talk about how, you know just like in Galveston, Texas, it took them two years for the government to even go to, you know, Texas to free those in those that were enslaved. Like so yeah. that that takes it from like just at the time. very top. Like mm-hmm. how are you, you know, a system, a, you know, a bureaucracy over this country and you not letting slaves go? Are you are having losers of a war? having slaves held off for two additional years after you have, you know, just created one of the most important documents in American history. Like, how do you let that go by? And so that it it all, you know, that's where it starts from. And that's how we are here, you know, with people not knowing what Juneteenth is, with people not equating Juneteenth and the 4th of July. Because if we're talking about freedom, then we need to talk about when all Americans were free. free. And that wasn't until June. 19. The incarceration rate of just like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. black people in America is insane. In LA, it's insane. Yeah. Um, and in most every city, it's insane because the system is built around enslaving black people. Right. And that's what, ideally, that's what police were. The first policemen were slave capturers. Mm-hmm. And so, if we are coming from, you know, um, uh, America likes to talk about its roots and where we come from and what we've done, then what you've done has turned, you know, white men, you know, capturing black men, you know, shooting allies of, you know, into cops, yeah. people of power who hold a very racist view of black people and people of color. So now you have, you know, strung along these people, giving them these careers, giving them these resources and these powers based on white supremacy. And in order for it to even, um, you know, benefit us as, if we're talking about as all Americans, you got to dismantle the police. Right. And that's just the only way because it is. Because it affects because all of us. The police benefit white Americans. Mm-hmm. Like, they were made to, you know, point out and capture black people. Like, the whole basis of of police system is on racial bias. Yeah, it is. Right. It is. And so, The you war know, on drugs was the war on black right. people. Ronald Reagan was the biggest crack dealer in the United States history. And right. there's not a thing in the history books that you can tell me otherwise. Like, right. there, you know, if we're, it's, we don't see the real truth of, like Nathan was saying, like, you know, the real history of what's going on is because the people are in power do not want you to know that. Yeah. Like, they don't want to make it easy for you to know that. Well, so they that's trick why. you. Yeah, they'll they tell you half. Yeah, they'll tell you half of the history. They'll say, like, Thanksgiving, how, you know, the Native Americans welcome Christopher Columbus and everybody, you know, sat down and ate food and had mm-hmm. cornucopias. And that's not that's what not happened. No. Like, you don't know that until you get to college where you have more independent or, like, more free um, ability to learn the real things that happen. And, you know, that really misconstrues you because you're 18 when you're able to learn that. Yeah. Now you have gone without your, throughout your entire life learning the racial bias of, you know, this whitewashed American history, mm-hmm. thinking that, okay, well, you know, this is why things the way, are the way they are. And yeah. that misconstrued idea of what you think America is and the history of America is why we have the prosecutors we have, the judges we have, the doctors and the nurses we have. Like this is a, a big this is bigger than black people just getting shot. This is this is an entire system that benefit those who <clears throat> kill black people. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. why are people so afraid of anti racism? Yeah. I mean it's definitely a responsibility you have to take. Um 
not only for yourself to teach yourself, but to teach others around you and have those kind of conversations with your families about race and about the truth. Yeah, um, when it comes to unlearning all of the things that you thought you knew that was going on in America, it's not an easy job. Like, it's not something that takes overnight. It's it's years of diligent work unpacking all of the, the racial bias that you once knew that was ingrained in you from when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And... Because, you know, because things are so, like, um, trendy nowadays, you you have those people, those, you know, those white people who are doing things like going to marches and, you know, trying to raise awareness, but they're doing it for, um, to look nice, to make it look cute or whatever. For the brand. Yes, for the brand, when actually we're talking about the fellow consumers, people that you are going to want to market a product to. Mm-hmm. So it's in your best interest interest to have a genuine, you know, stake at this. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, although uh, the police are killing like 2.55 the amount of black people um, that or that it is in white people, like, you know, they are still killing y'all as well. And y'all should be just as angry because it's not just, you know, it's, it's a power structure that needs to be dismantled within the police society. And, you know, because once it, you know, once they stop coming for us or whenever that case may be, they going to turn to whoever they can, you know? Right. Yeah, it's human and, rights. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's a human rights issue. Um, and it's like, you have to, mm-hmm. even in the microaggressions and, in our own home. You know, when you're trying to be anti-racist, you need to be actively anti-racist. And so that means that, that right, at that moment, like, hey, that's not cool. And it's like, it's, you know, it's... And not being in denial. Right, not being in denial. Like, you know, not being afraid of what's going on because because you're afraid to call it out. Like, how do you think another person of color who might be in earshot of what's going on, Mm -hmm. who might have to actually firsthand witness it, how do you think they feel? Mm -hmm. So you have to actively do the work. Like, read some books, like... You know, when black people and people of color are talking to you about the things that they have witnessed firsthand that you may not even have any idea or an inkling of, listen, shut your ass up and listen. Like, that's the best thing that you can do because no matter how bad you feel like your life has been, um, even though you are white, your life has never been made bad because because of this color and that's exactly what white privilege is it's you know you may not you may be living in a trailer park talking about how you know your life is unfair and you only got three teeth in your mouth but if we're you know if we're talking (laughs) if we're talking some real stuff you know if you get pulled over yeah you know they might let you you go you know you might look like the average hillbilly the average you know joe the average white collar you know wall street you're not a criminal you're not looked at as a criminal if you are a personal color you have that stereotype based off of years and years of oppression mm-hmm. and systemic racism. Even the the, the subtlest ways of racism worse. have been entroped in, in in you know in the not only the police but in America. And so you have to, you know, you gotta work on that. And you you know, like I said, the first thing you have to do when you're trying to learn about white privilege, when you're trying to be anti racism, is do the work. Like don't expect a person of color or a black person to do it for you. Get your right. Googles up. Like also, feminists out there, you can't be feminist and not anti racist. It's it's like you above all, women always think like, Oh, but women and it's no. like yeah, but imagine being it doesn't matter. To be a person of color is and a woman is mm-hmm. still harder than just being a white woman. Mm-hmm. It's just like and so you have to fight for like race anti racism you know, mm-hmm. anti racism mm-hmm. within communities and like our lives. Because uh-huh. without anti racism there is no equality for women and equality for other people. And I think that's a very important, like, thing you brought up, um, especially because, you know, you you think it's just feminism, but it's actually, it's actually, like, white feminism and then feminism or (laughs) womanism um, because you have a group of people who kind of want to play blind to women of color and their 
extra grievances, you know, because at the end of the day, when you're a white woman, you're still white. And right. that is that is holding you down and that has been holding mm. you down right. since the dawn of time. We could scream in the faces of men right. because we are white. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're not going to face the same repercussions as a woman of color. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be in that mindset of being checked. Like, check right. yourself. Like, you know, be open to the criticism that you might so rightfully White need. feminism is a really good keyword. They get so worried about being called white when really it's nothing to do about them. It has to do with there is a white system even built into our feminist ways. Right. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that and let our women of color meet privately and have their own moments. Without and... trying to scream, well, what about me? Right. Because exactly. women of color and black women have been neglected, especially if we're talking about, like, as women, the ideals of beauty, the standards of beauty. Black women and women of color have been left out of that for so right. long. This intersectionality so, yeah. of both. So when we do have and we do feel comfort in our own things that we can relate to, you know, don't scream, well, well, I, sh- I should be able to do it too because that's not how it works. It's, yeah. it's not like, it's not easy as, you know, one, two, three. You know, it's a reason why the things are the way they are. And, and it's sometimes it's just your time to just sit down and eat your food. Just, um, That makes me think of Jessica Chastain and the movie The Help. So, you know, as the the help, you know, came up with Octavia Spencer, my girl Viola Davis, um, you know, it, and it was a time, I think it was just an interview that Jessica Chastain did where she, you know, knew about how much she was getting paid versus Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if That's you, right. first off, if you say the name Octavia Spencer, like that name holds weight, like, yeah. you know. These aren't just, you know, run-of-the-mill, everyday new actors. These are actresses that... Trained. Trained, like, <sighs> really good actresses, you know. And she was, uh, she <laughs> did not get paid the same amount as Jessica Chastain. And the first thing she did was speak up about it. Like, listen, this may... Like, I don't even have as many X, Ys, and Zs as her. She should be getting the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. And that's how you... That's how you put your white privilege to work. That's how you actively make a space for other actors. uh, Black actors, black directors, black plies, all of that. You know, you can't say, well, you know, well, I'm not racist. Okay, well, how are you actively trying not to be racist? How are you actively trying to, you know, make sure that your your black woman friend your black guy friend your people of color you know making sure that they get the same opportunities as you because yeah. on at the end of the day there's so it's so much content to be made and so much so many commercials and things like that everybody can eat so you need to make sure that you make a way for everyone to eat and so you know that's definitely a step that you can do like that people should do right because we live in a white supremacy we have to like we are racist by living in a white supremacy it's just part of it you have to actively try every day towards anti-racism because it's not going away right like if you're a casting director if you're a screenwriter like um, since this movement, I, I follow quite a few um, women of color and like black directors and writers um, and some of their like white counterparts, they have started to make a, like a broadcast or a list like, hey, if you are a person of matter of fact, if you're a black person or a person of color and you need your screenplay like looked over. It's inbox it to me right now. Like I can send it to someone else, and we'll give you notes and like yeah, and things like that are very important because that is how you make change happen. You force it in the face of people who you know who are comfortable seeing without it. Right, and you like actively look for these things because. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing, is that we are all built... It's all built into our system not to look for it. Right. That's why we don't see it sometimes. You have to, you have to actively think every day, okay, is this is this going to be anti-racist? Mm-hmm. Is this racist? Should I be helping? Should mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. when do I step in? We, we could go on for days. I mean, we didn't even say, uh, you know, the name George Floyd. We didn't even say the name Breonna Taylor. We mm-hmm. have got a list of names to say. Um, but, I, you know, down to the roots of it, 
it's, you know, about being anti-racist. Right. Um, and I guess we can go into, um, there are plenty of places to help. Google is number one. Right. It's not, you know, everyone's job uh, know to tell you anymore. We know you've seen them Instagram posts. We yeah. know you've seen them in those in those Yeah, if you have an Instagram, if you have Twitter, you've seen You've seen, everything. You've seen everything. So you should have enough resources, but we're going to give them to you anyway. Um, so, I mean, for example... Brianna Taylor, mm-hmm. let's start with uh, black women and how to help them because, oh my God, we... Yes, protect black women. women. You don't know, um, look up Owalu Tos, uh, Toyin. Yes, yeah. I have her um, written down too. So, you know, like, it, there is... She was 19. Yeah, and, and it definitely plays a part in not only just um, dealing with black lives matter, we need all black lives oh. to matter. Oof, yes. We need black women lives to matter. And that is not just in the fight of white supremacy, we're also talking about in the fight of sexism as well because a lot of the times those two can be intersexual you know with these with each other so right. you know um, justice for these women justice for these trans women that you know don't get enough attention don't get enough spotlight um, you know mm-hmm. I hope one day that we can make it a space to protect black women protect trans women protect right. women of color um, and each and every day is a fight and you know we just, and if we have to burn it all down to make it happen, burn it all down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Brianna's law passed, uh, but her killers are her not. Her killers are still, still not, not arrested. They're just chilling. Yeah. It's um, been about three months, a little more than three months. And if you're not, like, mad, if you're not angry, um, uh, you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, um, justice for Robert Fuller and Michael Thomas as well, who were, uh, you know, um, in our area. Yes, in uh, the Palmdale, not, Lancaster area. Not um, even far from yes. us. Not far from us. We live in the valley. Um, you know, Robert Fuller was hung by a tree that, you know. In the middle of town square. Middle of Mount Town Square. At they are 4 o'clock in the morning. and They're claiming know, it's suicide um, but, already. Yeah. And <laughs> there are multiple cameras in the town square. 50, 50 yards, 100 so yards. So where's the footage? Exactly. Uh, so. Yeah. So you know that these people work within our uh, government. They work, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they work beside you. So just um, make sure you're being vocal and being active and watching for these moments. Um, and uh, I just want to thank Nikki today yes. for no coming problem. to talk with us um, and just having our like roomy conversation. Yeah, I, um, I definitely appreciate uh, being on you guys' platform. Um, I hope that your listeners have learned, you know, some things that they have not, you know, yeah. known before. Um, I definitely um, appreciate it to be able to talk about, you know, why Black Lives Matter because a lot of people don't think that's self-explanatory, but you know, yeah. it, it pretty yeah. much is. Yeah. And also talk about, you know, the fight for black women and black trans women as well. Yeah. Um, so I definitely appreciate it. Black Thank talent you. matters. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Yeah, thank you, Nikki. Do you have anything else you wanted to shout out before we leave? Um, or, you've got a YouTube Instagram channel. Right. Shameless plug. Follow me on Instagram um, for all of your, you know, plus size influencer, influencer tees. Um, my Instagram is notoriously Nikki B. Um, and my uh, YouTube channel is notoriously Nikki. So definitely, you know, look at some of my videos. Yes, Get to know so your girl. Um, follow you know, her, subscribe. Yes, follow, subscribe, like, leave some cute comments because um, I'm too real for the ugly because I'll hurt your feelings still. <laughs> so, you know, thank you again. Uh, follow me and, you know, the fight continues. Hell okay. yeah. So we're going to link everything up in the description. It's going to be yes. plenty of links, places you can donate or, you know, organize yourself, get out to protest. Um, all of the above. We're going to put all Nikki's links in the description because she cute as fuck and, you know, she got roommate and you better check her out um, because, yeah, black talent matters. Um, and, yeah, uh, check us out on Spotify. and Give yeah. us five stars. We would really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Apple Podcasts, all that. Um, so, yeah, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.